Hey everyone, we have the one and only Greg Foss on with us. This is Tom Karadza and Nick Karadza joins us as well. Greg, we catch up with because last week, I think we reached out to him last week when the price of Bitcoin just started going like straight down for a few days, but especially I think a, like a six hour or 60 minute window in particular um, last week, we reached out and said, hey, Greg, why don't you come on and give an update on, on some of your thoughts? And the interesting thing is that so much has happened since that happened. We talked about everything but that event. We talked about energy, uh, GDP, some of the math Greg uses on update on some of our own thoughts about the debt, the debt um, how the media is framing a lot of what's going on in the Bitcoin world. We talk about fixed income portfolio managers, Ray Dalio's comments recently, um, Michael Saylor's ESG, the Energy Association that was discussed last week or he tweeted about last week. So we get into it all. Greg is just a thrill to chat with. His energy and passion for this just comes through. We are honored to call him a friend. And I think you're just gonna love the chat. We did anyway. And if you're listening to this and you want some real estate information from us here at Rockstar, you can check that out at rockstarinnercircle.com. That's where we have a bunch of reports on population growth, um, you know, the immigration, how it's affecting this area. We are big in looking at data and facts when we're deciding what to do with income properties. So a lot of the supply numbers, and especially around single family homes, a lot of the immigration numbers, the population growth numbers, the interest rate, the debt in this country, M2 growth, these are all the things we look at. We try to share a lot of this stuff in the different reports we put out, which are available at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash reports. You can get the, those there. And we feel it gives us a lot of comfort in owning some hard assets when in particular we see what the Canadian government is doing with M2 specifically. We put out a YouTube video on this on our Rockstar Inner Circle YouTube channel just about how M2 is growing at such a pace and it makes you question if real estate prices are really going up in this world when, you know, on average, Toronto real estate prices year over year from March 2020 to March 2021 went up 21%. And then you look at the currency supply in this country went up 20%. So if you kind of divide prices by the currency supply, did they go up? Were they flat? Did they stay just the same? So it's a lot of things that I think people miss when they're looking at the real estate market. We try to do our best to share that. And it's all available, including the reports at rockstarinnercircle.com. So if you want any information around the real estate market, madness and exciting adventure that it is from us, you can check all of that out at rockstarinnercircle.com. That's enough with the intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Caradza. Are you ready? Let's go. We are live with the one and only Greg Foss and my little brother, Nicholas Caradza. And uh, Greg, I think what most people don't fully appreciate is that a lot of people have been hearing you via a podcast and your energy comes across. You're, there is no doubt your energy comes across, but in person, you're a force. So when people meet you in Miami, I don't think they fully understand what they're gonna be dealing with when the Foss man <laughs> walks into Miami and you start meeting people face to face. But so thank you for everything you've been sharing in the community with our community here. I feel you're doing all of us a service. So just watching you go around on different podcasts and sharing your story and some context around Bitcoin, I think is very important. So I just really want to thank you for well, that. Yeah, and thanks for having me, you guys. Uh, Tom and Nick, I think this could be, if we include Jamie Leverton, 
I think this is perhaps either the fifth or sixth time, it's right? About that, so we've yeah. done three alone, then one with uh, Jamie, and then I think one with Jesse Berger. Well, Jesse, that's correct. And then also your uh, your year end or or the thing I did, we we pre recorded it. But maybe I'm including. Yeah, that and already, so for but... those of you listening who don't know, we have a we have a client event three times a year, and you know, with all of everything going on in the last little bit, we had to do a big video wall in our office here because we can't rent a big banquet hall for like a thousand people anymore. So uh, we had Greg speak, and the comments that were rolling in while Greg was speaking on that were uh, some people didn't know your name, so there's one that stands out to me that just said, "I could listen to this guy all day long." <laughs> you know, so people were just loving that. So our clients and members of Rockstar were. Just Really yeah, because when he stood up and he took cash out of your pocket and you started saying, look at this, look at this, it's and you worthless, started, it's garbage. And you started crumpling it up and yeah. it's a Canadian dollar, which is now plasticky. So every time you crumple it up and open your hand, it kind of pops open again. <laughs> okay. you, know? you can't get rid of it if you want to. Well, it's been great. You guys have been, uh, you know, you helped, uh, you've been very supportive and I uh, I will always uh, be thankful for that as well. So uh, yeah. let's, let's keep this team going and uh, this is part of the Canadian uh, Canada, I think I've said this before, I really believe is punching above its weight in the Bitcoin square. Um, Jesse Berger, uh, Ben Sessions, uh, John Vallis, you know, Jeff Booth, my God, you know, and then guys that are sort of not around that much anymore, but you may not even have heard of uh, Francis Pouliot out of Quebec. I've heard you mention the name. And yeah, I- Francis uh, and uh, then NVK um, is his handle on Twitter. I think his name is Ro- Rodolfo or something like that. But anyway, the Canadian Bitcoin community is really, really impressive uh, and uh, proud that I could be part of it to uh, to help the future of our kids. Right. I mean, that's that's why we're doing this. And, um, uh, you know, the uh, there are some I've, I've had feedback uh, from Australia. One guy says to me, dang it, we can beat them at swimming, but that shouldn't be anything we should be proud of. We need to be, uh, we need to be able to beat them at Bitcoin too or something. The like Australian community is representing. There's oh, some yeah, there's no question. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah no yeah. question. But uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's neat. The, uh, the down, the down under the Aussies. I was actually on a podcast. Uh, I've been on one podcast from South Africa and one podcast from New Zealand, oh, uh, excuse nice. me, from Australia. And uh, yeah, these, they're great guys. Great guys. The biggest uh, thing about this whole thing, like we talk about it here in North America and we talk about all sorts of different aspects of it, but it's when it really hits me is seeing the impact it's having for the people that didn't have access to tra- traditional finance in on all of all other parts of the world. So like, you know, I was reading, what was I reading recently? I guess it was something from Strike about El Salvador and how much they're doing down there okay. and, you know, and, and the uptake. And, and like that is where the impact, so you're right, the impact for our kids, you know, that's, that's one thing. But the impact just globally is yeah. something that I think is not spoken about enough. For sure in the main, like in the mainstream, it's just ignored. It's just all about this asset. All people are going into crypto and this Bitcoin thing, yeah, and that's it. Yeah. What, what, the, why the hell do you need this Bitcoin thing? But that's where thing everything changes for me. As I'm like, man, when you see that aspect of it, yeah, it's eighty percent, eighty percent of the world's population that is not in privileged countries like uh, I personally like get upset when I hear analysts on CNBC or some of the mainstream media say there's no use case oh, for Bitcoin, and yeah. I'll tell you why. Yeah. Our aunt went to jail in Croatia. Because when they were hyperinflating hyper the Yugoslavian dinar, she was exchanging at the market. She had an egg stand at the market and split. It's, it's a city right on okay, the coast. Okay. She, she was went awesome. To, this she, aunt was yeah, awesome. She, she, yeah. Was, she was a hustler. Yeah. She was okay. a Bitcoiner. Yeah. She was a Bitcoiner. <laughs> yeah. She was a hustler. She was selling eggs. But at the side there, and I remember this because I stood next to her in the 80s as a kid. 
Wow. And people were coming up to her, exchanging the Yugoslavian dinar for German marks. Oh. And she was money laundering German marks, right? She had this big black skirt. She was a widower. Okay. She wore, you know, the scarf on her head and the big black kind of, I don't so know if you could picture the, the, She was a black market. Uh, she, she had supply of, 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 of German, German marks. marks. And okay. people were coming to her, getting rid of their dinars. Sure. And they wanted a store of value because everybody knew yeah, yeah. That what was happening to the dinar. And they were getting, exchanging dinar, uh, uh, German marks. And she was doing doing that anyway she got arrested wow she went to jail for two weeks she represented herself in the little court they had and i guess uh you know she was able to get herself out of that but that the the use case of bitcoin is that there's a lot of people who are not in north america even in 2021 don't have access to a store of value so when somebody flippantly says there's no use case for bitcoin i take that maybe a bit too personally, because I have a lot sure. of respect for my aunt. She's since passed, wow. but to, she had such an impact on my life wow. that when someone says sure. that to yeah, me, no, I, I take just... it a little personal because that is a lady who went to jail over wow. trying to facilitate people to store storing, value. Yes, yeah, storing yeah. Their, their time and labor as, as, a, as a store of wealth. Wow. Well, you know, um, we do have to be very careful that uh, our, I'll use the, the North American privilege that we have, uh, you know, and I see this even more uh, having when I lived in the United States. It's it's it, they just forget that they are such a closed ecosystem. Except essentially, they don't have to rely on that many other countries for stuff. Canada a little bit different, but the truth is still we are part of that. I'm going to say uh, privileged twenty percent of the world, and we frequently forget what happens in the other eighty percent of the world that is either non-banked. They don't have grid electricity, right? They just, you know, in certain nations we've seen, you know, running water is even, uh, is a, is a privilege. So, you know, it's, 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 this is a solution for so many, uh, cases that, uh, some of the big, um, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll use the word the Davos elites overlook. Okay. And, uh, and, and that's not acceptable either in my, in my opinion. So I'm with you on that. And, and the grassroots, I think of all of this is, is represented in a story you just shared. How much can you share of, around the cucumber story? I love this. A hundred percent of it. Sure. Can this you, is, can you, yeah. yeah. Can you yeah. describe what's going on or just, just, just maybe. Yeah. Just well, okay. So, so to, yeah, to give a little bit of background to the listeners. Um, so I am involved in a, in an energy company in Canada. It's a private company, but I am a shareholder. Uh, it's called Validus Power, and uh, Validus is a uh, basically it's an energy solution for uh, for uh, let's say community. It could be a community, so it could be a uh, Northern Ontario Indigenous community, uh, or it could be a small town that is at capacity for their uh, their draw on the on the Hydro One grid, and they're looking for alternatives to create electricity. So. Just in context, uh, there's a, a town in southern Ontario, uh, Leamington to be exact, and here's a neat thing about Leamington, Ontario, very close to Windsor. It's the southernmost point of Canada, and that being said, it's actually more south than the northern California border. Okay, so Canadians don't think of this that often, but we basically have a portion of Canada, a very tiny portion, that is in the growing climate of Northern California, okay? Uh, they don't grow wine down there. What they do grow is uh, a lot of vegetables and... Uh, a lot of tomatoes, t- tomatoes. Lot of tomatoes. So <laughs> Leamington, so Leamington, we used to be the tomato capital of Canada, if I'm not mistaken. They had a huge Heinz 
to uh, ketchup factory down there that's since tra- uh, changed ownership. But that factory's still there. I was just down there. Uh, they now grow, um, uh, have a meaningful presence in greenhouses uh, uh, for to be able to uh, grow cucumbers and tomatoes year round. Okay, and due to the new cannabis uh, opportunities, they're constructing more greenhouses to grow cannabis. So they provide cucumbers to all of Walmart, North America. So the Walmart cucumbers don't come from California. They come from Leamington, Ontario, which is pretty cool. So they want to expand, okay? They have all these opportunities to expand, but they need to be able to heat their greenhouses in the winter. And the Ontario grid is at capacity, the electricity grid. Ontario will say, yeah, we'll get you that power, but in five years. Well, that's not that great if you want to start expanding your business right now. So I'm involved with Validus Power, which is basically a solution where we can take uh, a store of uh, energy or a source of energy that would come from the Trans-Canada Natural Gas Pipeline, which passes within one kilometer of Leamington, Ontario. And we can take the, uh, the uh, natural gas, pipe it one kilometer to, let's say, this farm, and we truck in a mobile 35 megawatt jet engine, okay? Now, 35 megawatts is big enough to power a data center, okay? So let's say you were a small BlackBerry data center that's in uh, up there in uh, Waterloo. They're about 35 megawatts, just to give you the context. And what is this generator? It's like a jet engine. It's on the back of a trailer truck, okay? So imagine this. They want to heat their greenhouses in the, in the wintertime and we have the source of electricity for them. They are expanding their business, but in the summertime, they don't need this generator. What could they do with it? Well, I brought this up to one of the executives. Why don't you mine Bitcoin with it? And he's like, wow, that's brilliant. You know, here's an opportunity to defray the costs of a $35 million generator it costs about a million dollars per megawatt okay you don't want it sitting there six months of the year without producing a revenue stream right long story short it gets even better because can you imagine if the ontario grid is experiencing a peak because air conditioning is on right in the summertime well we flip a switch and we're not mining bitcoin we're feeding power back to the grid okay, to stabilize the electricity grid. Now, the Ontario grid is not currently open for that. Alberta is, Texas is, but there will be a time, in our opinion, that Ontario becomes where... They're going to need to. The the demand for electricity is just going to grow. Well, it's going to grow. And also, remember, an electricity grid is constructed for uh, resilience. Basically, 90% 90 percent 70% of the time only 60% of the capacity of the grid is being used but it is constructed for those really hot days in August when everyone's air conditioner is on when it peaks and we've experienced brownouts before and you know this is unstable it's very dangerous the grid 2003 I think we were down in part of Mississauga for days that's correct now that was more of a solar flare or something like that it wasn't because of a brownout that uh, but here's what it the grid is uh, inherently uh, oversupplied there is frequently power the turbines in a in a hydroelectric dam or in a nuclear generator you don't stop those things from turning 
They turn, you don't turn off and on a nuclear reactor just because the power, it has to run all the time. So there is always more capacity or not always, uh, but on, on a time adjusted basis, a high degree of time when the grid is not being used at capacity, okay? Still, they can What can't. happens to a grid that's not being used at capacity? And this might be too technical. Well, that's I'm just called curious stranded. Now. It's stranded resource. So it's where does it go? Like Zero. It, it we, got to, you, if you don't have a battery, it just goes in. It just goes away. Doesn't go, it's in there. Yeah. But if you, unless you have a toaster or a hairdryer plugged in. It just disappears. It, it, so you create it, it, this extra energy that just disappears. Well, this is what would be called stranded assets, mm-hmm. okay? Because you have these turbines that are turning, but nobody is using the energy. So the, that's one side of the whole electricity complex that people just don't understand. It makes such a great argument that, oh my God, Bitcoin is horrible for the environment. It's uh, Wait a minute, guys. If it's using electricity that otherwise wouldn't be, isn't being used... And by the way, if these Bitcoin miners have has signed what's called interruptible contracts, meaning when the grid does reach capacity, they just turn off the mining. You're not allowed to draw. You know, so much misinformation. Yeah, it makes going for a around. good story right now. A well, good okay, so get a click. but here's here's what it 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 what Bitcoin mining could facilitate is. Going back to Leamington, Ontario, the chance for that community. And by the way, there's tons of farmland around there it's not like they're at capacity for farmland okay they they can grow and grow and grow and that would be really good for canada's gdp but it's constrained by the electricity grid well this is a solution that they can defray their costs of business by using another source of revenue on the um in the non-peak or the off uh, you know, the summertime when they don't need to be heating their uh, their greenhouses. And when you share this to people who had never thought about mining Bitcoin with extra energy that they may have, they're initially receptive or what, what's the feedback? So I've only done it once. I was only with this one uh, CEO and he was like, uh, Bitcoin, it's too expensive. I can't afford to own one. I'm like, you know, well, first of all, you don't have to own one. Uh, and, and he's like, what do you mean? I said, well, here, why don't you download this wallet? And we had a two hour meeting and this was at about 40, the 45 minute, uh, point where he starts downloading the wallet. And by an hour and a half, the wallet was set up and I had transferred him some Bitcoin in his wallet. And the last half hour of the meeting was I love this. I love this idea. Okay. And I'm still in contact with them or we are our, our uh, power company. And it's funny because the price of Bitcoin has performed somewhat well. He's like, darn it. I wish I was mining yeah. Bitcoin this whole time. Sort so of thing, so Greg, know? where does this lead? Like, can, can something like Validus Power, and, and I know we're far away from this, but uh-huh. I'm just thinking internationally, can we go to areas of the world that weren't able to create some financial wealth for them, but they maybe have access to some energy sources yes. that you plug in a turbine yes. of some sort and yes. mine Bitcoin? And then it goes from centralized energy to decentralized energy. So a great way of describing it exactly. Um, so Bitcoin is digital energy, like we've talked about in the past. Uh, what are some of the... So another application that we have tested, field tested for four years is actually taking the same equipment, but you're not tapping it into a sweet natural gas supply like a pipeline. You can take dirty flared natural gas and run it through a fuel conditioner at the front part of the process, take out your impurities in the in the dirty natural gas that's otherwise being flared into the atmosphere, right? It's, you know, you see these pictures of oil fields and you see this gas that's being flared. Well, that's just a combination of methane and probably some butanes and also other impurities. But if you don't burn it, because you can just uh, vent it 
it goes and it pokes holes in the in the ozone, right? It's like, unfortunately, cow farts, right? Cow farts are a very big source of ozone uh, uh, deterioration because, and, and this may or may not be true, it may be urban myth, but I've been told that the McDonald's, the, the, the beef farming for McDonald's in South America is responsible for over 50% of the ozone destruction because of cow farts. Okay, so the funny thing could be, imagine if you so could... Can we strap... Could, yeah. well, hey, but it's we've like got to fact check that one. No, but we're going to strap a turbine to the back was, of these there cows. There you go. And I actually, I actually did one of my stupider tweets. I, I uh, <laughs> but, but some guy sent a picture of a cow that had a, a tank on the back of him that because I had mentioned cow farts. And so here's... But here's the truth. This was in, Nick, this was in a Beyond Meat presentation. Okay. So I think, and beyond meat again is, is, you know, they're taking yeah. McDonald's and saying it's, you know, so it was definitely skewed that way. Could be, but yeah. here's the point. Let's get back to, you know, away from cow farts and back to what is vented methane, uh, is bad, you know, or you burn it and it creates carbon dioxide and it creates heat and it creates acid rain basically. So our process can also clean that up. Yeah. So, the thing that made it so clear to me when I, when I started looking into this energy thing, I guess this was what last year sometime when we were looking into this, when I first heard that and I understood that I'm like, holy crap, it, it was the, the flaring of the natural gas. Mm-hmm. I'm like how much wasted energy there is there. Then when I thought about, oh my God, someone can take this into the middle of nowhere where there's a source of energy and they can they can then do something with this right especially well, if especially if all of a sudden they get connected to a network so if you take you know what tesla's doing with what is this starlink right well so that's that's the, that's that's how our our whole thing if you go to valis power that's how we complete the loop oh, if you okay, don't have okay. a fiber backbone near you a uh, fiber optic back, backbone you just do starlink so you're mining bitcoin in the middle of nowhere uh linked through starlink it's right on our webpage it's very very cool it, it's an eco- this this whole ecosystem that we're seeing being built out to yeah. me is is a is an equalizer to to remote parts of the world yes. it gives it, to me it gives opportunity yes like it's 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 i when i realized that i was just like holy crap like yeah. this can really and it may take years to play out yeah, yeah. but it is oh, no, it, will take, prote- it, will, it will take years it has to take years i mean that's just you know you, you don't flip a switch but and you can happens. see it whereas before with the current petrodollar system i couldn't see the evolution yeah. of the next system exactly. and now funny. i can see the evolution so of you know where system. the world's largest source of flared gas is the middle east Okay, so the Permian Basin in the United States has a lot of flare gas. Canada, interestingly... So they're going to take over again? No, no. <laughs> well, they could. They The, the reality is, with, you know, I'm not going to talk down about the Middle East, but it is one of the most centrally controlled societies, right? Well, would this allow that to become more decentralized? I'm not going to try and start political unrest but anywhere. But I'm just going to say that if you have that source of energy uh, that is... Now, here, here's the neat thing as well, you guys. Every single port, and I'm looking at the picture behind Nick, every single city has generally been built around a port, mm-hmm. right? But that didn't mean that those energy sources were there. When you think about it, you know... Yeah, the river would bring the energy. Or, or correct, but the port was there for trade, right? The ships yeah. and everything. You think Miami, think... But think of these stranded resources like a volcano, or thermal energy. It's not where a city is right now, but it could be the basis of you take mining equipment there, you use that thermal thermal energy, Jeez. and all of a sudden there's a, a place that's not currently a city 
that you could change an entire, you know, the quality of life as, as well as the potential. Might spread the population. Oh yeah. Okay. All of this is true. So this, this, as an engineer, every single increase in human productivity has generally been associated with a better use of energy. Okay. You can go through history. It's basically that. Yeah, you're right. And this could be the next, yes, correct. This could be the next integration or, uh, evolution of the energy uh efficiency now everyone's going to say oh my god it's carbon uh, you know it's it's esg unfriendly that is more fud uh i can give you statistics but basically remember this i want your listeners to remember this bitcoin currently uses less than 10 basis points that's one tenth of one percent of all the energy produced in the world and people will say well that's more than the netherlands and i'll just say No disrespect to the Netherlands, but it's also more important than the Netherlands. Okay, like yeah, the value that this represents to humanity is slightly different than a country. You're not you're not comparing. So remember this though. Remember it's one tenth of one percent, and you're focused on Bitcoin. Why don't you focus on the other ninety nine point nine percent of the problem? that we have already addressed, stranded energy, wasted energy, flared gas, all these things. And that's how you have to change the narrative. Okay, I wanna, I wanna ask you, oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, I was thinking about the, uh, just energy this morning, and okay. I was thinking about electric vehicles and how quickly they're coming, right? Because we're, we're, we're in, in 10 years, many car manufacturers are gonna have- I think Denmark or the Netherlands has outlawed new- Well, California oil has vehicles the state in 2025. And the, yeah. the state of California is something like 2030, 2030 or something yeah. like that. Yeah, but the car manufacturers are coming, like, I think Ford came out and said they expect by 2030, okay. for, I could be wrong, but it's like 40% of all their new vehicles so, will be electric. So I'm just like, wow, the amount of energy usage for everyone is going to just increase. Like the electricity, the electricity yes. part. So as a part of now, here's the funny thing, you know, everyone said Elon brought out how di- uh, uh, Bitcoin uses dirty energy or coal. Isn't it amazing that the Teslas that are being charged on the <laughs> yeah, side yeah. of the road are able to be charged without using any any dirty energy? Yeah, I mean, yeah. stop. I mean, electrons a, are not smart like that. Okay, electrons the, go in the grid. That what's, that's what bothered me about mainstream media: okay. the fact that we just don't ask yeah. the next question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 getting disgusting to me. But listen, I want your opinion on a disgusting. couple of things. Disgusting. Well, that's yeah. a strong word. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's too much because it's not just in the Bitcoin world; it's in so many areas of health yeah, I, and yeah, our whole lives. But anyway, any can you can you tell Nick and I are a little bit rebellious? We're not. Well, <laughs> We just like to talk data and facts. That's and, and then maybe we'll all have different opinions on how we should act on what we see. But yes. let's have a source of truth. You always talk about how math is truth or math is the foundational language. Yeah, the base, base, base layer. Language, of, yeah, base layer. Base layer let's start language. with the base layer. Yeah. And then we can all interpret into different things, of course, and debate it. But mm-hmm. let's have a base layer of truth. Okay. Um, I want your opinion on what sure. you're seeing in the fixed income market. I know Ray Dalio came out recently and said, yeah. you know, uh, something that you've been saying for a long time. I think he said, I think the words, I, I watched the clip. I think he said, like, I prefer Bitcoin over bonds or uh, something like that. Exactly yeah, like I had that. to yeah. listen to it like three times yeah. to, to understand what I'm hearing here. But are you seeing any fixed income portfolio managers? Any anyone so is I anyone did, changing their tune or are. where are we? Okay, so great question. So I um I just recently gave a presentation to the Canadian Bond Investors Association on Bitcoin. Okay. And uh the reason was because they had received enough requests from their membership that they wanted to uh, understand more about Bitcoin. Now, I don't know how many people listen to it, but I will tell you that 
a very influential influential pension fund in Alberta reached out to me uh, after the presentation and just really wants to know more about this. Well, why? First of all, they understand that fixed income is a fiat contract. Okay, now fiat, which is programmed to debase because we've talked about this on your shows. All you own when you own a fixed income contract in fiat is a contract that is guaranteed to go down in value, okay? Very dangerous because uh, when interest rates were at 14% in the past, that protected you from a lot of the debasing. But now that interest rates are close to zero, there's no protection, right? And um, these guys know it. It's not like they're getting, you know, they, they have a portfolio and just to make the math simple, if it's a 60-40 mix, usually, you know, that's a standard uh, benchmark or a starting place, 60% equities, 40% bonds. Well, they realize that the 40% of their bonds currently yielding 1.6% in the U.S. 10-year, just under that now, um, and uh, it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, measure up because if you're a large pension fund and you have a prescribed rate of return of 8% per annum, and this is standard, they think they're going to make 8% per annum. Imagine if 40% of their portfolio is yielding, let's say the US 10-year 1.6%. Let's say they have a portfolio that averages 3%. I think that's high, but let's just say that's the average without default in their, in their portfolio. Would it be a 3% return? Well, if 40% of your portfolio earns 3%, 3%, 40 times 3% is 1.2%, right? That means on the balance of their portfolio, the 60% in equities needs to earn 6.8% for them to get to their 8% goal, right? Well, 60 or 6.8% divided by 0.6 is over an 11% return annualized in stocks forever and ever. Is that going to happen? Hard for me to believe it is. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but I'll just tell you, you need to find other sources of income in your plan. And this is what Mr. Dalio's done. And his exact statement was, I'd rather own a Bitcoin than a bond. Okay. And I feel the same way. And that's basically why I wrote that. You've that been on the record. The first time you were in here, you were you were screaming at us politely, but screaming out of passion <laughs> that it's a rounding error. It's a rounding error, guys. I, I think we stopped recording. And I think you pointed at us very sternly and you said it's a rounding error. The price of Bitcoin. The price of Bitcoin, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and yeah, we totally believe you. Okay, but, where but, am I wrong on my math here? Okay, give me, go, give, go. Give me a second. So if debt to GDP globally, just big global numbers yes, here. I'm yep. a simple guy. I need the simple math. Okay. Not the FOSS math. I need okay, the, okay. So four to one, right? Four, four to total one. Total global debt. Total global debt to, to GDP. Global GDP four, is four to four one. Four to one. Correct. If the debt's growing, I think you've used this in the past at roughly 3% because there's That's interest. The coupon. Sorry, a, yeah, the, yeah. The interest, the interest on, yes, on that the is organic three, growth. Yeah. The organic growth is 3% because of the interest on the debt. Correct. So if it's a four to one ratio yeah. and the numerator is growing at 3% because of the interest. Organic, yeah. The denominator must grow at 12% or GDP must grow at 12% just to keep that ratio in place. Here's my correct. question to you. Yeah. Where am I wrong? Because... 
the debt that I've watched in just the U.S. alone. Yeah. So now I know I'm going from global to U.S., but yeah, give me yeah, a second. Yeah. It's tripled from $9 trillion in 2008 to twenty-seven. That's only government debt. It doesn't oh, oh, include it doesn't corporate. doesn't off-balance okay. sheet stuff as well. Yeah, uh, It's not off-balance sheet as much as you remember. Interest expense is, not, is tax deductible, so people... All that okay, needs it. to be included, right? Because you can deduct your interest expenses. Uh, as okay, a, good point. Uh, it's not part of the tax base. So what is but, the denominator? Okay, yeah, but so here's where I'm coming from. If the U.S. then federal debt went from 9 to $27 trillion, yeah. it tripled yes. in about the last decade. Yes. It's actually 12 or 13 years. Okay. But, it, but yeah. just to keep what we have in place, that means to me the debt is going to at least triple. Because if we've tripled in the past 10 years, Fair I'm just thinking, you know, I'll, I'll make it more, more easy okay, for you. So You're a simple guy. I'm a so simple, we, have but, we have 30 trillion or the U S is 30 trillion plus or minus federal government debt, 30 trillion. Let's focus on the elephant in the room. They're unfunded liabilities, Medicare and Medicaid. 160 trillion. Is that what it is? I was going to say 160, 60 or 80. Okay. 160 trillion. Okay. <laughs> so when you take those two numbers, and let's round up to $200 trillion of U.S. funded and unfunded. This is the basis of my paper, right? You take the CDS rate, and I estimate it to be about, uh, we'd, we'd have to, it's 10 basis points in the five-year. If you adjust it by 10 uh, or to a 20-year term, because funded and unfunded obligations over a 20-year term, that's probably a good duration or a good uh, average maturity. Let's say it's a 50 basis point spread in the 10 year, oh, sorry, in the 20 year. 0.5% times 200 trillion is what? $1 trillion, okay? That's 1 trillion bucks just for the US and Bitcoin is trading lower than that. Guys, this is where math helps you understand when you're getting a good deal, <laughs> okay? And if you think of Bitcoin like I do as being default insurance on fiats, well, the U.S. is going to be the last fiat to default, and I hope it does not happen, but the market right now is not zero for CDS. There's a premium. People are paying insurance to buy protection on U.S. debt. Why are they doing that? Because it's a non-zero risk outcome. So in your first example, when, you, when you've when you articulated before that GDP must grow at 12% just yes. to keep pace yes. with the current amount of global debt, my, I guess my question to you I is- I know where you're going. Give it to me. Give it to me. No. I, know it, no, I know where you're going. <laughs> no, I, I'm saying that- you, You're so close. Tell it to me. That's low. We're no, not well, e I think what you were going to say is how do we <laughs> I like get out of it? covering for well, me. So I, Tom, think, smart I, think, answer. I think what you were going to say is how is this- possible if well, it doesn't keep up thank you that is my question because we've been debasing they need to print it's mathematically impossible not to print money and my i guess my oh, point is oh, it's wow. going to be debasing more than 12 percent because of everything you just said i uh, you know i i agree with that i'll go with michael saylor and just say he calls it two percent a month is what your currency is being debased. Yeah. 2% per month. Is that what he's saying? Is that what he's saying right now? 2% a month? Yes. Oh, okay. I, first, I thought he was saying his hurdle rate calculation was, was like 15%. Okay. So now he's gone up to, so we're splitting hairs a little bit. So we'll say it's I between 15, these hairs. 15, I love 15 to 25%. Well, look, make, okay, I've been saying, uh, that's interesting because I've been saying based off a lot of your writings, uh -huh. I've been telling everyone 15 to 20. Yeah. So I didn't realize I was lowballing. Well, it's, uh, look, at either way, it's a horrible outcome, right? And, and I need to be careful because one of the things I've seen is that 
people think I'm calling for the U.S. system to fail. I need to be so clear. I do not want it to fail. That would be a horrible outcome. And by the way, if the U.S. system has failed, Canada has failed a lot sooner, sooner yeah, than, the U, than, than, yeah. than the U.S. has failed, okay? So what we have is the opportunity to understand what's the difference between a currency, like a fiat currency, and a store of value, like Bitcoin, okay? Don't store your value in a fiat currency that's being debased. That's just not smart mathematics. So find a store of value. We've talked Bitcoin. I agree with your real estate uh, thesis. You know, hard assets are better than leaky systems. That's I'm borrowing from Michael Saylor. A fiat system is an open system. It leaks energy. So when you see the repo market, and I've, you've used the term gurgle, you know, the financial, plumbing. yeah, the, the plumbing's, plumbing's gurgling, gurgling a yeah. little bit here. Yeah. What, what are you currently, this one is, is that not, of any concern is, to you or not really? This one is the reverse repo market. Yeah, it's like there's too much cash or something. That so that's not a problem right now. Okay. It just, it signals that the system has been abused. It signals that the U.S. is monetizing their debt. But it's not an indication that liquidity is being taken out of the system. So the okay? problem is the bank, the, they're not, you, not the problem, but the challenge, like, like what, where the spikes are coming is that there's too much liquidity That's left correct. overnight versus everyone needing it to shore up their balance sheet. Totally the opposite of yeah. before. Well yeah. done, Mr. Bond Trader Nick, right? Like he's getting, like this is, it's just part, it's called the open market uh, uh, facility at, at the FOMC. Um, so... Uh, it is a way of, the, of checks and balances of distributing excess cash in the system in a, in a repo or a reverse repo. People need to understand one is just the flip side of the other. A repo, uh, a concern in the repo market is not the same as a concern in the reverse repo market, okay? Uh, I don't want to get more technical than that. Okay. okay, I'll just tell you that this is a gurgling, but it's gurgling because the that the system is so packed. It's not because it's a gurgling because someone's thrown an antacid. So what's into the it. problem with it? like? So if there's too much cash, like why does it even matter? Like I understand if there's not enough and they need liquidity and they got to pump yes. liquidity into the system. Yes. But if there's too much and it's just unused, like what's the issue there? It is nothing but a benchmark of yes. There's a lot of liquidity in the system now. What could be happening? And this is pointed out by a far smarter gentleman than me who made his living in the repo markets he's basically saying the fed is uh buying paper in you know is sitting buying 120 billion dollars a month in in uh, u.s treasuries and then funding it through the reverse repo market it's it's uh, i'm using his i'm using his uh, uh machinations and I, I again this is a fact that they need to fund their purchases of Fed, uh, of U.S. debt somehow, um, and this is probably one of the the, the facilities they're doing it w with. And he basically said, uh, and I quote, it was from a Zero Hedge article. Uh, he said, uh, "This could have very very dramatic impl uh, implications for the value of the U.S. dollar and its reserve currency status." True. Okay, but not because necessarily of the reverse repo market, just because it's a it's a cog in the whole machine, and we just know for what it's signaling. Correct, yeah, correct. The, okay. the the thing that you pointed out one time you were here, and you're like, you're like, look, if you know, if even if the like you just did, even if the U.S. dollar goes, there's going to be many more currencies that need to fall before it because 
there's going to be everyone. Weak, there's going to be everyone. Weak, there's going to be weakness in all those first, yeah. and you kind of see you'll start seeing dominoes falling, right? Yes, I agree. So if you were, what do you expect to see from the Federal Reserve in the U.S. over the next year or three years or five years? So if you were to guess, what do you expect their moves are? It's a great question. Um, so the first challenge is going to be not an interest rate increase. The first challenge is going to be a reduction in the amount of. Uh, QE that they are uh, putting in the market. So uh, if they go from $120 billion a month to $80 billion a month, and that's called a taper. And the last time they tried to taper, yeah, was that there 2015? was a, correct. Yes. There was a tantrum. You remember? Yeah. And, and these tantrums call, cause markets to go down. Now, f- someone said to me, Alan Greenspan was one of the first f- uh, Federal Reserve uh chairman that uh, started looking at the equity markets and really being concerned about the performance of the equity markets. And, you know, that he has the famous Greenspan put. Um, I think that, you know, while all other prior Fed, uh, you know, we'll call it Volcker and the gentleman that came before him would care about what happens in the equity markets. The fact that the pension funds are now such a large component of uh, the, uh, the social uh, fabric or backstop for the U.S., Greenspan was worried about what would happen to pensions. Again, if it's a 60-40 mix and your 60% of your your pension fund has just dropped by 20% because of a 1987 crash in the the equity markets, well, that's what Greenspan was trying to protect against. So this type of, uh, you know, the dual mandate of the Fed is employment and inflation, right? Well, there's probably a third mandate in there that they're not telling you, and that's stability in the equity markets. Uh, All of this is to say they aren't going to raise rates in a really good long time, and I'm not going to tell you when that's going to happen, but I'll just say they got to get through the tapering (laughs) before they even consider increasing the rates. Could they raise rates if inflation, the way they're reporting it on their mm-hmm. documented reporting, goes to let's uh, you know for easy math goes to ten percent? Could well, they then raise rates because well they would have to, but, they would, but you see, could keep them, you could raise them to like six seven percent. Real well, rates still, are still negative. Yeah, so you could be in an environment. Tom, here's here's the truth. You uh, did you guys see uh, Stan Druckenmiller? Yeah. Uh, so Stanley Druckenmiller is one of, is a truly great investor, uh, macro investor. He basically said he th- he felt that in the ten year term, if the U.S. if the Fed wasn't in there with their QE, that ten year uh, rates would be uh, around three and a half percent, so almost double what they are right now, three and a half percent. And he basically said at at four percent, thirty percent of every dollar or thirty cents of every dollar that the U.S. Uh, IRS cor- uh, collects would be used just to pay the interest. Okay, guys, don't even go to 10%, okay? D- try and go to 5% and realize that at 5% it doesn't work, okay? And this again, because we use 3% in my calculation here, where total debt to total global debt to global GDP doesn't work at 3%. Well, if it doesn't work at 3%, I guarantee you it doesn't work at 5%. It just means that the currency debases more quickly. It's only math. I just, I just, I'm just extrapolating this out in the next few years. And I think my own, the way my brain works is I always think things will happen a little faster than they do. 
Correct. So my personal timeline, I'm always like, you know, we talked about this when I was at Oracle and I saw, you know, uh, we were talking about how Larry Ellison sent an email to everybody at Oracle just ripping Bill Gates. And he said, Bill Gates has it wrong. Client server is stupid. I don't know if he used those words. I should, you know, that was what I took from it. And he said, uh, network computing architecture, NCA, which he meant, you know, put all the heavy software on the, on the servers and then have a thin client up front is the way he was ultimately pr- proven right. I thought it would just take a, cause when I saw that, I'm like, this is of course, right. Took three or four years, took from like 1998 yeah. to maybe 2002, and- three for it to really to start. And then 2007, when I went to NetSuite, cloud computing was there and it was really web-based stuff. So, so things take a little bit yeah. longer than I always Okay, expect. So there is a, it's a quicker, uh, it's a quicker, um, uh, transition transition in, 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 in life right now. Right. For us, uh, yesterday I was on a podcast, uh, with this young kid, 19 year old, uh, who, uh, works for Bitcoin magazine and I'm speaking in Miami and he, so this was like a precursor to the uh, Bitcoin conference that I'm speaking at. If in we're there, I'm totally heckling you. I'm not going to say if we're going to be there. I'm good. But listen, so he, he goes, you know, he's talking about these things and he's 19 years old. So one of the things I will say, and I just met Tom's 19 uh, year old son, Aiden out, out in the front office here. And, uh, it's kids like that that give me hope about the future that, that there's actual people with brains rather than some of our politicians, all right, well, the bal- the budget will balance itself. I'll leave that unnamed, but, uh, you know, that's not, if that was the CEO of a company that said that to you, I would be the biggest short seller of that company's stock because that's just so irresponsible. But at the end of the day, okay, listen, the young kids are going to do it and the technology uh, curve is accelerating. So uh, he, 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 I happen to have an HP 12C on my desk. Now an HP 12C is a Hewlett Packard 12C. It's a financial calculator from when I graduated university. Okay. 1988. It's a beautiful machine. It's, it's, it's called reverse Polish notation. There's Have nothing you guys... beautiful about that machine. Okay, it's, a beautiful, it's called reverse Polish, <laughs> Polish notation. You remember that thing? Cause you had to go, uh, if you, if you, if you wanted to do two times two, you go to enter two times. Yeah, yeah. You know, you have to hit the enter button anyway. And you, you get so comfortable with this piece of, uh, yeah, you are I was 10. I didn't know what a calculator okay, was listen, listen, at that listen. point. Here's the funny thing. So I was cleaning out my granddad's uh, house. Uh, well, my granddad constructed a house in Montreal, and then my dad lived in it. And then in 1976, when René Lévesque uh, got into power, my granddad died in like 1978. And we ended up moving to into his house. So we had two generations of, uh, of fosses living in this house my granddad constructed. And when my dad and mom passed away, I had to go through all this stuff that was two generations of, and I found this little thing and it looked like a pepper grinder, okay? And it said Curta on it. And I want your guys to look this up because this is remarkable. I said, I can't throw this out. It looks like a a pepper grinder with all these little numbers on the side of it. And I went onto YouTube and it turns out that this was a mechanical calculator designed by Kurt Herzog, who was an Austrian Jew that was interned in the concentration camps. And they figure that if if Herzog had given this to the Germans in the Second World War, their V2 rocket systems 
and there, this thing. So this is a Curta calculator. I have one that I found in my granddad's. Uh, it does look like a pepper mill. It, okay, so it's the coolest thing I've ever used. It can do square roots on it, and you just turn it, and the calculator is the mechan the me- the mechanics of this thing. Okay, he got out the German. The uh, he was liberated in 1945. He had never d- given his technology to the uh, to the uh, Germans. Luckily, uh, the V2 rocket system, which was brilliant, was the gyro gyroscopes on the rockets were could not benefit from his intellectual uh incredibility so he starts his own company in 1950 and my granddad bought one because my granddad was an engineer and i found this in his engineering cabinet and i was going to give it away and i'm like dang it no i'm going to look on ebay now i want to corner the market on these things (laughs) they are the coolest things okay like this is a mechanical calculator long story i'm sorry with the long stories I show this. I think you're going to be able to corner the market on it. Okay, listen. (laughs) Well, listen to this. I show what was in 1955. I show my HP 12C from 1985, and now 30 years later, we have Bitcoin. Okay, this is remarkable. There is a bit of a curve there. I see what you're saying. This is remarkable. What has happened in the 30 from the first 30 years to the second 30 years to the third 30? Yeah, the speed of innovation is just it's the it's the parabolic. You're uh, reminding me of something interesting here is when I joined NetSuite, I think it was 2005, a big order for us. So, NetSuite was we were going to take your accounting software, your inventory software, everything, and put it into the cloud. So, you would have no nothing installed at your company, Uh everything. And everyone said that would fail and that nobody's going to trust the lifeblood of their business, the information, especially the accounting information into the cloud kind of already knew it was wrong that the people would because we all did online banking already by then Fair enough. but the market thought it was too early 2005 we were doing a deal and i'll never forget it was for 1188 it was 1188 dollars like a single user license and that was like I don't want to say that was a big deal for the company then, but it was like an order. It was a deal. You got an it, order. It was like, yeah. I got an 1188. That's what we would say. You know, I got an 1188 and everybody was like kind of happy. I was only there for two years before I left to start Rockstar with with Nick. Okay. Um, in the two years, it went from 1188 being something you would celebrate to about $10,000 deal. Oh, neat. And then to 40000 And that's in two years. So okay. just the adoption of how quickly... Okay. People went from, yeah. I'll test out one yeah, user, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll buy one you. user license, you. I'm a yep. really small company, to then medium-sized companies oh, coming cool. in saying, hey, so in a span of two years, that was like a big change. Yeah. And I feel like two-year windows now in the Bitcoin oh, yeah. world could no, be a it's, it's, big and, change. And there's challenges, you guys, and this is why we have to come together as a community. Um you know, the latest challenge being the ESG unfriendly uh, proof of work versus... Yeah, uh, what did you think of Michael Saylor's, that whole meeting that they had around ESG yeah. and the association? So I, Can you describe what that a, was for anyone who, who, who... Okay, so the way I understand it, uh, this past weekend, he and Elon Musk called up some uh, North American Bitcoin miners, including our friend Jamie Leverton and, at HUD8. Uh, so Validus Power, I need to be uh, very clear, and HUD8 have a working relationship. Uh, they have purchased power from us uh jamie was on one of uh yeah your podcasts uh, i'm a big fan of hers um but okay so to clear up that there's uh, uh i have no insider knowledge i was not on the call but sailor tweeted out that he had a call with these bitcoin mining uh execs about uh in in you know becoming more esg Trans- responsible uh, tr- uh transparent right this is key um and and then immediately uh, i sent out this is a powerful uh tweet uh, a powerful uh uh event, event. Yeah. It, they, they called it a council but there are some hardcore bitcoiners who said 
this is like a cartel. This is centralizing the, the the mining function, and so I don't see it that way. But I do respect other people's opinions. Okay, um, I think it's very positive because why? I think it will change the narrative. We need to change the narrative. The stuff that I've been talking to you guys about, you know, people just don't understand. And again, if they are that hypocritical, where they're using their hair dryer in the morning and leaving their always on, do you know that? the always on function on your computer when you go you leave work and you don't turn your computer off uses probably at least 10 times the amount of energy that the bitcoin network uses but i I, i'm guilty of this i don't always turn off my computer at night right i don't shut it right down i let it run um you know and 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 that always on functionality in 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 our society now is such a so much of a bigger problem than Bitcoin mining, but let's let's address our own problems. Um, I think it's very good. Michael Saylor, look, what what is he? He's a brilliant rocket scientist who can actually speak English, okay, or or speak a second layer language. We know he's a brilliant mathematician because you know I'm not saying all engineers are. I'm certainly not, but anyway, uh, at least I understand the base layer of language better than most people. He is a brilliant base layer mathematician and then his second layer of language is actually very good too right like he's a he's a good leader but he's also eloquent in his speech sometimes he goes off on tangents and he talks in numbers and i can just see the reporter uh, so, you know the, the eyes are glazing over but so i think his leadership in this uh, is uh, very important i will tell you and i'm on record as saying this elon musk was not against bitcoin mining one of his large shareholders was okay so we'll call out a larry fink at BlackRock, who's a very ESG uh, intense, and he's a large owner of Tesla. So would it be crazy to think that uh, uh, Larry Fink called up Elon and said, hey, dude, look, I need you to do this for me because otherwise I'm not going to be happy as a Tesla shareholder. Oh, and then, yeah, by the way, we understand that electric vehicles are not the be-all and end-all because certainly some of those electric vehicles are being charged by coal-fired plants. It's just the way it works. Don't overthink this, you guys. You Just because you own an electric vehicle doesn't mean that that electricity is 100% mine or, or uh, generated with renewable resources, non-fossil fuels. Right now, 40% of electricity is generated with natural gas. Sure, for, or, the, or the, for, for the Bitcoin... Bit- no, for oh, just oh, the, whole, the whole uh, uh, yeah. electricity Got around it. the world, 40% of it is ge- generated using natural gas. Uh, coal is... Uh, coal, nuclear, uh, you know, renewables... And, and if you include hydroelectric and renewables, which as a uh, partner of an indigenous Canadian who, th- who says, oh, well, so there's no damage uh, creating a dam up in northern Ontario and, and flooding all this Indian land, eh? Oh, that's a renewable energy source? Come on, you guys. I mean, we cannot be that hypocritical. And I think in the comparisons analysis. are a little incorrect. Someone shared something around the Bitcoin mining network how much it is using oh, of renewable fair. energy and if you compared that to a country it's, it's it, bitcoin is yeah, using yeah. much more renewable yeah. energy than yeah. a country but what is renewable here's and i need to call this out as an engineer right so here's the neat statistic that you guys probably don't know um there's the amount of steel that goes into g- creating a wind turbine Unless that wind turbine is placed in the perfect wind field, i.e. something around 15 to 25 kilometers per hour on a steady basis, that windmill will never recapture all the energy that was required to make the steel in that, in that windmill. That's insane. 
but it's renewable and it's killing birds and it's and you know and it's got it's got these low whenever low i frequency. go by wind turbines yeah. they they are not running far more than they i see <laughs> well, them not right, running because far more they're than not they're in running. ideal wind fields right i mean this is just dangerous so a lot of this stuff is misinformed it's uh you got to bring it back to like one of the dirtiest okay and then let's talk dams concrete is one of the most environmentally damaging processes of uh you know and oh yeah well there's no concrete that goes into a into a hoover dam or into a renewable energy uh producing dam gosh if you think about how much concrete is required to build that dam and the energy that goes into that concrete or the coking coal that goes into the steel that makes the the wind turbine yeah no one looks at a second order of effect of anything what happens to all the electric vehicle batteries 20 years from now how do we deal with that no i mean that's why i think when i was saying nick and i get a little bit rebellious is no one seems to ask Uh any second order you Uh you do which we totally appreciate of course when you see ray Dalio, a couple more questions for Uh you when you see ray dalio cfo move over to I dig. Oh, wow. What comes to mind for you when you see that kind of move? Because to me, that's an insider who has a lot of connections uh-huh. in the establishment in the existing finance world. So when you see that, what, what goes through your head? Great question again. Um, I love NIDIG. I got to be very clear. Uh, so I need to be careful that I'm not 100% biased here because I am covered out of uh, Newport Beach, California by NIDIG an old Goldman Sachs credit trader who uh, never covered me directly, but he found out that I used to trade high yield and he, uh, he got his, you know, I got introduced to him and he's just a really smart guy that just, we actually, he just sent, he sends regular Sunday night emails and his last one on this past Sunday night, his name is Eric Kramer. Uh, and Kramer goes the Lehman moment. And he, he, he relives the Lehman moment in 2008 and uh, it was like he and I were exactly in the same spot. Like the world was ending, okay? He called it his, uh, you know, your come to Jesus moment sort of thing where you actually realize that the system is that precarious. Um, so Eric Kramer, he works with NIDIG. The chairman of NIDIG is Ross Stevens. He's also a Goldman Sachs guy. Now for you non-trading types or Wall Street, Goldman Sachs is the investment house in the US, okay? Like it's just... He, Everyone wants to work for Goldman. It's just where the smartest people go. They make the most money. They get off of their risk before anyone else does. And everyone else is always left holding the bag. They're just really, really good risk managers. Well, look, so that, that's where uh, Ross Stevens got his start. He's the chairman of NIDIG. NIDIG raised, so NIDIG attached, att- uh, attracted um, uh, Ray Dalio CFO. So what does that mean? Well, people want to work for the next you know, the, the future financial, uh, the top of the funnel, if you will. I think I've talked to you guys about the top of the funnel, but the future financial system. Um, and Ross Stevens is being ve- is a very important component of that. And so what do I think about? He raised money. NIDIG wanted to raise money. They needed to raise $200 million or they raised $200 million. And the four investors that each put in $50 million bucks, George Soros, New York Life, Mass Mutual and Morgan Stanley. Okay. That's all you need to know, you yeah, guys. I didn't don't know that. I didn't don't know that. don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. Okay? And these are people that know Wh- that when they, was that? Um, I'm gonna say it was around what are we uh, January, February? Just Got yeah, it. right around then. Wow. Um, I didn't know and that. so those are fifty each of those guys are are 
you could call it a hedge trade or they know that they could, their businesses could be disintermediated by the future of the NIDIG uh, platform and whatnot. The, and the reason I want you to continue, the reason uh-huh. I, I, I'm very interested in that move is because when I was at Oracle, Salesforce.com was launching, NetSuite was launching, a bunch of people from Oracle thought, okay, the growth here is great, but we're going to jump over to Salesforce.com. Okay. I'm not sure if you've tracked their growth, but Salesforce oh, I basically love, I went love, from nothing yeah. to CRM. like... CRM. Yeah, Take yeah, exactly. CRM. So yeah. a bunch of you know smart people at Oracle went over to okay. Salesforce okay. and a bunch Who's of the guy that runs Salesforce. Uh, is it Mark Benioff? Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, know if he's still it. running it. Well, but he was a big part of it. Yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah, then, yeah. and then it was another ex-Oracle guy that started NetSuite. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Evan Goldberg. I hope I'm remembering his name properly now. Okay. Um, yeah, he was like a genius. He had all the code in his brain at one point. You would love a math guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we were out of the Toronto office, but a bunch of us at Oracle thought, "Oh, this is the future," and we jumped. Oh, and I, I thought okay. a lot of, you know, it, it was a lot of people who could kind of see a pattern emerging and seeing a yeah, growth yeah. opportunity and were not scared of the risk. Okay jumped over salesforce.com or you jumped over yes. to NetSuite. Okay. So when I see this Ray Dalio moving, uh, sorry, his CFO moving, yeah. and I apologize, I don't know his name, from uh, Bridgewater, my that's, sister, Bridgewater that's, yeah, that's to his, NIDIG, yeah. Yeah. it reminds me of that moment where I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. They're seeing the current system so, and there yeah. might be more exciting growth over here. Yeah. We're making our leap. Yeah. So to me, it's a pattern recognition moment well, I'm like, I've seen this story before. Yeah. And to me, it's indicating all the big players. Yeah. If he's moving, yeah. he's going to pull a lot of talent with okay. him. Okay, and I agree with that. And and it's very simple again. Uh, these are three established legacy financial institutions that are uh, cognizant of this new kid on the block, NIDIG. Uh, they are onboarding, uh, which means they're uh, clearing their clients, new onboarding clients to, to purchase uh, in, in the uh, crypto ecosystem. They're, f- they're not just focused on Bitcoin. That's a big part of their business, but long story short is, uh, yeah, you, you know, you know, watch what they're doing. Totally. Okay. So this is doing. leading me to my next question and okay. we can, we can wrap on respect your time here, but, okay. um, Ross Stevens said something in an interview. First of all, his shareholder letter that I yes, think I went agree. out in December is absolutely brilliant. Must, if you, must, yeah, yeah, if you are be. struggling understanding Bitcoin and Foss man here has not convinced you otherwise, that's another thing you should check out. Ross Stevens, I, I think it's Stone Stone Ridge Stone Ridge uh-huh. shareholder letter that went out in December of last year. Google that up. Read that. Holy smokes! And um, you know, there's rumors of who wrote that. Satoshi Nakamoto. No, there's rumors. Uh, <laughs> there's rumors that it's, uh, uh, and and I'm not going to start a uh, urban myth here. But uh, go for it. Well, there's uh, rumors that uh, your friend Robert Breedlove, who does work with oh. Dig, was very helpful in that cool. shareholder letter. It and, wouldn't and surprise one, me because his writing is so. Oh dense. yeah, oh, it's, it's crazy. It's yeah. amazing. So here here's the one line of that shareholder letter that it's a Breedlove. Okay, uh, money has always been a technology for. Uh, for uh, storing the value of your work, time, or energy expended today for consumption in the future. All right, that's all you need to know, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) That is exactly why you need to store your value in a scarce, portable, transferable, divisible, best store of value asset I've ever seen in my career. Um, most saleable across space, time, time and scale. Yeah. And so, uh, I, so ahead. then when Nidig says, this is my, well, leading to my next question is that he said something interesting in a recent interview I heard. He said, you know, a lot of people, Nick, you brought this up that a lot of people look at Bitcoin as the, the asset value of Bitcoin is the thing they're paying attention to. And that's stage one, but stage two of the value proposition of Bitcoin is the network that is being built. Oh yeah. 
And to me, when I see the Lightning Network yes. be built out, and I see Nidig talking about that they're going to have ba retail banks offering kind of Bitcoin Correct. card. Yeah. I don't yeah. even know what they're going to offer. Yeah. What is what comes to mind when I say that? Do you see that evolving through the commercial banking system? Oh, where well, this look, net because I always thought it would be a little separate that there would be like well, a separate network, but it looks like the network's going to dig well, itself into. Well, you remember what, the, uh, when uh, asked why he uh, robs banks? Uh, the, who was the famous bank robber that said? Uh, why do you rob banks? Oh, and he goes, because that's where the money is. Okay, so maybe this is a bit of the same thing, right? Like, I mean, why are they doing it with banks? Well, because that's where the money is. And the banks you know? were... is an onboarding platform. That's all it is. And it's you a, think it's the a banks rate. are open to it? The banks better be open to it. Here's the funny thing. If they're not open to it, they're digging their grave faster. The smart banks are going to be open to it. I'm begging the TD Bank of Canada, who I was just at the chairman's house. Hey, Modi, I was at your house. Yes, this is publicly available knowledge. He's a vice chairman of is TD. Is he a Leafs fan? Because you're a Habs fan, no? Uh, yeah, he, Let's I hope he's, he's a Leafs actually, fan. He Let's is actually, Modi Jungra, and Modi, God love you, man. Don't come and kill me. He is a, he is a, uh, he was in the Jewish, uh, it's not Jewish, the Israeli uh, army. And when I used to trade on the same trading floor as him at TD like 20 years ago, he used to joke with me that he could kill me with his two fingers. Because he so, knows what, like so, Krav Maga? I don't know, or whatever, whatever it is, is that, that one thing. All I know is, Modi, please don't come back and kill me. The, the, the truth is that, uh, that he sees it. He's a senior, senior person in the bank, but he has pushback from his other... Uh, now, I'm not telling anything out of, out of school because Modi is on... Uh, on LinkedIn and uh, Twitter learning and, and, and giving his, his opinions at various times. I want, though, this, again, this could help Canada. I want Canada and the Canadian banking system to embrace this so that they become a global leader in this. And, and this is important because why? Well, because our prime minister certainly isn't going to get us, uh, help us in any math classes. Okay. That's, that's a certainty. Um, and, but if you can take leadership and vision from other, other global, uh, you know, CEOs or, or large CEOs in the Canadian uh, system, and there are certain, uh, politicians that are doing it. Do um, it for us Canadians. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's about the kids, right? It's about the future. So uh, let, let's summarize it on this. Um, you can. You need to take your experiences over life and paint, uh, and say, "What would I do different this time?" And so I was talking with Aiden, and I said, "Look, I've had three chances in my life that I actually saw something happening that uh, that I thought was revolutionary, either within a company or within a society, and I considered going really big in it." Okay, and when I say really big, it was not with a lot of money, but it was with all the money I had. Relatively which was a lot. big. It was, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. big, okay? And the first one, and I won't go into details of each one, involved Rogers Communications, which you guys know was one of my largest trading positions on the debt side. But I saw the time when Rogers' debt was going to become manageable and the incremental value was going to flow down to the Equity. Second layer, which was the equity, okay? And I actually sat at my kitchen table with my wife and I said, should we go all in on Rogers, okay? Since then, Rogers is up 50 or 60 times, okay? And I didn't do it, okay? So I missed that one. Then in 2016, or sorry, 2015, I had retired from the trading, uh, the hedge fund business because I, I, 
Oh, sorry, sorry. No, the, the first time I retired was in 2007, right before the great financial crisis. I retired from the hedge fund because I wanted to be a school teacher. Yet, Can you I had never. Greg I being wanted a school. Well, I, you I, better I, been I a math class. To, it better was, have been you know, a math I, class. I, I don't even know because I didn't even get close to it because I just <laughs> found myself at home day trading anyway because the great financial crisis <laughs> had, had been. Uh, but I was introduced to Apple. And we had bought, uh, I have three kids, and we had bought our first two or three, uh, you know, Apple. Like iMacs uh, or MacBooks I, whatever. or whatever yeah, you were buying. Exactly. It was one of the iPod. I, okay, that's, so that's uh, what made them. that was just after the iPod. It was just as the iPhone was coming okay. up, the first series. And I said to my wife, I want to put everything we have in Apple. And we didn't. Okay, so that's number two. And what was what's Apple up since then? Probably <laughs> like at least you know if if, if Rogers was up like you know it, it's it's huge. These numbers are big, right? And when I say everything, you don't always have to put everything in. You just have to realize that life probably gives you a limited amount of these trades opportunities. So the third one, you guys will know what the third one for me is. And I don't have everything in Bitcoin, but I have everything emotionally and intellectually attached to Bitcoin because I think it's that important for the future. Um, so I am 100% intellectually invested in Bitcoin and uh, a substantial amount of my, you know, uh, net worth in Bitcoin, exposed to it via other second order exposures. You remember it was it included Three IQ as, as that's the right, fund, uh, yeah, the yeah. fun company, and then uh, you know some of the power uh, or partnership between Validus and, and Hyde. Yeah, yeah, you know that's that's uh, there, there's exposure there. So what I'm what I'm basically coming at everyone is you you got to you know. Like you can't force things to happen, but when they do happen, you should adapt your thinking to take advantage of it, right? G George Patton, I think I was reading uh, his qu quotes. I love his quotes. One of them was, don't, uh, he says, don't adjust your plan. Sorry, don't adjust the consequences according to your plan. Adjust your plan according to the consequences, okay? This is the same sort of thing. Don't try and make a plan and then force a marshmallow into the piggy bank, right? Have your, understand that you need to be prepared to go when that consequence allows your plan to be effectuated. And, you know, this is just part of that. Um, I've been in this for 30 years. Um, I'll state it again that Bitcoin is one of the most exciting trades that I've ever seen. Uh, you need exposure. I'm not telling you how much, but if it's zero, you're doing something wrong. Okay, you just are not taking advantage of something that really, in my opinion, could revolutionize the world. Am I 100% certain? You guys know the answer to that. No, but I still play probabilities. And let's uh, let's end it with this. It's still a rounding error. The price is still a rounding error, okay? Because it did hit 60, and now it's back to, I don't even know, is it like 40-something uh, today? And here's the funny thing. Um, my credit default swap paper still, I stand by that, that it's worth it, over 100000 as, as intrinsic value on a credit default swap basis. And then you, you rightly pointed out, Tom, that it's the value of the network. That's the intrinsic value of Bitcoin is the value of the network you are getting. You are, are part of the network of, the, uh, of being able to transfer digital energy around the world to facilitate and increase productivity in various parts of the world that don't have that beautiful uh, opportunity right now. 
all I'm going to say to, to end this is I'm going to be in Miami. I really, really appreciate all the support that uh, the Rockstar, uh, the Rockstar uh, uh, community, community has, has provided me. And um, I will be wearing, if everything goes okay, if I'm allowed to wear a t-shirt on stage, I think I'm going to, I'll be wearing the, the Your Life, Your Terms uh, t-shirt. Yeah, that stage. would be super cool. But don't commit, you wear whatever well, you need. We'll You're, see, you we'll see, right? Because they yeah. said, they, well, I'm, it's not that as much as I'm not sure what the, I'm still trying to figure out what the what the uh, dress code is. They've sent a, quite a few different uh, different emails, and I still haven't quite figured it out. So I'm hoping it'll be flip flops and, uh, and yeah, shorts that's, and yeah, t-shirt. That's, that's, but, what, that's uh, our style too. But yeah. so, Greg, thank you for doing this. Listen, okay. if you've made it this far through this and you have not read Greg's paper, you can go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash foss. So that's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash foss f o s s. You have to read that, Greg. A bunch of people that we know in the accounting world have been downloading it. That are friends of ours and reading your paper. So everyone's getting a, getting their hands on that. Thank you for putting that together. And if you're not following Greg on Twitter, you have to because Greg is a riot, and uh, we are all big supporters of yours. So his Twitter handle is at Foss Greg Foss. So that's at Foss Greg Foss. You're always open to answering questions. I notice that constantly. I can't believe how many questions you answer. You're really good at that. And Greg, you're doing all of us a service. And I mentioned this before we started recording is that Nick and I had our views on, on Bitcoin and we had our convictions, but when we, we, we kind of picked up your conviction and understood your frame of reference and your lens and the way you were looking at it, it gave us confidence in it as well. So just thank you for okay. everything that you're sharing. I really, really appreciate it. Well, you know, it. it's great. And I'll just bring it right back. Have met your son today. And that gives me, uh, gives me, uh, I don't know, Nick, if you, uh, if you two have daughters, kids, two daughters, ten and seven. Well, so look, this is what, you know, uh, there is a lot of, th- I feel guilty as a boomer that uh, I think we pulled forward a lot of uh, richness at the expense of our children. And I actually feel guilty about that uh, as as my generation who we've been living, you know, everyone's parents always want their kids' generation to do better than them. And I'm concerned that I'm leaving the, the place uh, to my kids for the first time that their generation may not be as lucky as, as my generation was. And I'm not saying that's the outcome. I'm saying the risks are higher. Uh, and I just want to be part of a community that can, uh, can perhaps uh, make amends for some of the dumb things that, uh, that uh, you know. Yeah, and let me step in, Greg. Is, I appreciate that okay. from you. Don't carry the guilt. I mean, I think we... Oh, well, hold on one second, uh-huh. because... You know, you live by certain principles, I can tell by speaking to you, and you're doing what you believe is right in the current moment by sharing the way you're sharing with such passion and energy and detail in your experience. And I feel like that is the right thing to do in today's moment. Okay. 20 years ago, you were doing what was right for you and your family. And, you know, so don't carry that Fair guilt. Enough. No, I hear and, you. And by acting, you know, what by doing what you think is right today, you're serving all of us. I appreciate that. So, so thank so, you. Well, and, and, and likewise, uh, you know, I'm not trying to, one of the, most important things that I've always, uh, I believe in is you got to address the problem. You got to, first of all, you got to define the problem. Uh, and if people aren't being, uh, on the same level as of, of defining it, cause people don't understand the mathematics and they'll just think, oh yeah, well, you know, if our prime minister says that the budget will, uh, balance itself and we can print money without consequence, we'll print ourselves to prosperity. A lot of people believe that it's, it sounds great. Doesn't it? It sounds great. And, and you know, again, I don't believe it works, um, and I know it won't work mathematically, but do I want the system to come crashing down? No, absolutely, I, I don't, and so therefore we need two parallel systems, and I think the uh, the best parallel system is the Bitcoin uh, option. So thanks, boys. Thanks, Greg. Love it. Good stuff. 
Hey, hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Greg Foss. You can find him at Twitter at Foss, Greg Foss. He's really fun to follow because he engages, he answers people's questions that reach out to him. So if you are not following him yet, you can find him on Twitter at Foss, Greg Foss. And if you want to get a copy of the report that he shared, he put together some great information. We host it off our website and you can get that at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash Foss. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash Foss. And that's the same website, rockstarinnercircle.com, where you can get a ton of our real estate investing information. That's rockstarinnercircle.com. That's it. Until next time, your life, your terms.